everybody out there for another episode of scaring and sharing it's the place where we share scares with each other and you the listener wicky wicky whack <laughs> <laughs> so i am your host jeremy rusk the original sasquatch slim and i'm your other host brandy joe the flaming a scream queen plan back and if you don't know uh we talk about horror movies on this podcast and then we give each other a scary movie that the other one hasn't seen. We watch them individually and come back and talk about them. Or I should say horror adjacent. Sometimes. Sometimes. Indeed. Monster movies, horror movies, thrillers, whatever you want to call them. It's a very wide breadth of films we cover. It really, really is. Jeremy, how have you been since I saw you last a few days ago? Oh, not too bad. It's just dealing with the whole, like, you know, you move into a new house and things are supposed to be great. And then first thing you know, there's water damage in your kitchen ceiling from the sure. shower on the floor mm -hmm. above. So then <laughs> handling that, getting that stuff taken care of. Do you have another shower you can use until that's oh, all resolved? That's the one shower. So ah. you just have to be, you know delicate i guess going forward until we get everything fixed up it's all like dark water in your in your kitchen do you remember that it, movie i didn't yeah. watch the oh, original. Yeah, yeah, i watched yeah. the jennifer Connolly one which was so bad oh yeah no no it wasn't it's not that bad it's okay. like we caught we caught the leak real early whatever's going on it, it's uh it has to do with like the caulking around the like the way the bathtub surround is in i love when it has to do with the caulking yes with the caulking man but <laughs> it's uh yeah water's getting in there and leaking down to the floor above and it's like god damn it we got to do <laughs> a couple of things here to get it all fixed but at least we caught it early so it's not a lot of damage that is good you are an observant homeowner yes i am i notice it as much as it my <laughs> wife loves it but it also drives her insane because i catch all <laughs> kinds of stuff where i'm like well this is wrong and we're gonna have to fix it no so uh did you hear i think i mean i know they've been talking about it forever but we've talked about it and that i think Pumpkinhead is officially being remade they it is officially being remade officially. i was like holy cow I, by a uh studio development arm something of uh paramount was it i don't know maybe it's being remade by paramount players who apparently are a new division for paramount pictures that's going to focus on um or part of their focus is finding old ips old intellectual properties to develop like new takes on them okay and pumpkinhead's one of the new projects do have they done things before or is this like a new branch uh, so it looks like they've got a handful of movies going back to 2018. God, that's um, so long ago. Yeah, right? Uh, and apparently, Paramount Players, they're the ones that did the Dora the Explorer movie. Oh, of course. I love that fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, oh, and uh, their most recent flick was the newest Paranormal Activity. Oh, yeah. I tried to watch that shit. Yeah, but they got like, uh, there's a movie called Body Cam. Uh, oh, yeah. I wanted to see that. Yeah, they did. Their very first thing was, it looks like Nobody's Fool, which is a, uh, who's in that? Uh, Tiffany Haddish is in that. And Whoopi Goldberg. Oh. And, and Tyler Perry. Direct. It's a Tyler Perry film. Okay. Oh. 
I don't know so, about that. Interesting. Yeah, so it looks like they got a pretty, they're going pretty uh, wide with what they're producing. There's a whole bunch of different things they've done. Uh, and now the Pumpkinhead remake is on their slate because Paramount's digging up what they, uh, what do we already own that hasn't yeah. been done in a while? Uh, it sounds Pumpkinhead. like like a, a community theater group. The Paramount Players. Yeah, it does. It does. Presents yeah. Pumpkinhead. There's some nice alliteration for you. And it looks it looks like they're kind of the kind of thing that's trying to compete with something like Blumhouse. Totally. Like, a, yeah. and especially since they did the most recent Paranormal Activity as a co-production with Blumhouse, it looks like yeah, mm-hmm. everybody wants to have that little like let's let's make mid-sized uh, movies that make a lot of money back for little budget. And you know, speaking of Blumhouse, I watched a Blumhouse movie last night, which was a House on the Bayou. <gasps> oh it is brand new it just came out on friday and mm-hmm. let me tell you a little bit about what it's about it's an unnerving horror thriller and it's on digital on demand which is how i watched it and it's about a family vacation in rural louisiana it takes a sinister turn when neighbors show up for dinner uninvited testing the family's fragile bond and forcing dark secrets to come to light oh boy yeah i know it sounds like a trip right i would sort of compare it maybe a little to like the lodge which is funny because the little girl from the lodge is actually the daughter in this film and then the lead actor is the guy who played mark in parks and recreation and then he was in the first season of channel zero i love him uh yeah i love him too what is his name his name is paul schneider paul schneider yes, yes. and then the lead actress angela seraphian i think is how you pronounce her name she's very striking she reminds me of lady gaga mm. and yes and then there's like a really creepy younger kid in it and a, a creepy kind of sexy older guy as well mm. So yeah, it's it's very interesting little film. Totally um like a psychological thriller but like with horror elements for sure. Like I would definitely classify it as a horror. I mean, they said horror thriller in the description, which I would definitely say is a proper description for it. And mm-hmm. has some really fun twists and turns. I mean, since it's in like the bayou, there's like a little bit of that like skeleton key. I'm not gonna say if it involves voodoo or not because I want there to be a little mystery involved. Mm-hmm. But it's great. And it's it's also from Paramount Pictures, not Paramount Players, but Paramount Pictures. So we have yeah. this whole thing going on. Paramount Weird. Pictures. Plumhouse, Paramount's back, that. man. I feel like <laughs> I feel like Paramount is, you know, they're one of the major studios of uh, you know, just Hollywood history. I mean, I don't know intimately like how all the big studios are doing, but Paramount, I feel as like a name you don't, you hadn't seen as much until recently. I feel like they kind of slowed down in production. Whereas, you know, Warner brothers has control of like, you know, the DC superheroes. So they're spitting all that out and you got Disney, of course, stronger than it's ever been. And, you know, whoever else is out there, even Sony, you know, held on for a long time as a studio. And then now, it seems like Paramount, one of these older prestige places, is making a comeback. Yeah, they really are. They're doing some cool genre films. Big, big time. About. And the poster for House on the Bayou is so cool. It's one of those, like, melding, like, a house with the people. And just, like, when it comes to poster design, it's, like, something I love. So, so yeah, I would check it out. It's unrated, which is always very exciting. Oh, so, good. And from Paramount Pictures. So, yeah, it's on demand and on digital. So check Hmm. out a house on the bayou house on the bayou i will have to 
Have you watched anything this week? That's literally all I watched. Well, besides Made. I, not MTV's Made, but Netflix's Made, which is amazing. But definitely not at all in the genre of which we speak. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, let me double check my letterbox. Just a couple of things. I had watched a flick called, it's from, It's one of the classic, it's from the classic cycle of Universal movies uh, that I had actually never seen this one before. It's called The what? I know, right? It's called The Incredible Shrinking Man. Oh, sure. I've seen The Incredible Shrinking Woman with Lily Tomlin. Yeah, which is vaguely a remake of The Incredible Shrinking Man. Yes. Um, Incredible Shrinking Man uh, was done by Jack Arnold, the same director who did The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, okay. At least the first one. He, I don't remember if he directed all of the Creature movies, but he did at least the first one. And he was like a contract director for Universal. So he did a bunch in the 50s of their like sci-fi monster movies. Um, but Incredible Shrinking Man uh, is pretty well regarded uh, because it was also written by, uh, the script was written by Richard Masterson. Oh, Richie. Yeah, who was a uh, strange fiction, you know, science fiction writer from back then that uh, he did the novel, I Am Legend. How about that? Bringing that back around. Yeah, the original novel. Uh, and it's a fun movie. Uh, pretty nihilistic, I would say, for its time period, because it does really? not really, it doesn't truly have a happy ending. <laughs> like things don't get fixed. So this guy gets exposed to this, on a sailing trip, he gets exposed to a mysterious like mist. Mm. Uh, and from that point o- forward, he keeps shrinking like literally shrinking and shrinking until he's like the size of a mouse. And like, it just keeps going. He fights a spider trying to survive in his house. And is it's he the wild. guy in the spider's web and the fly? Is that him? Help no, he's, he, no, he's a little bit tougher than that. He gets like, he sharpens like a, what is it? Like a screw or a pin or something like that. He finds <laughs> and uses it as a, like a weapon against the spider. Oh. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's got some cool stuff in it. But, Are the uh, effects like laughable though in this day and age? Not, not too bad. Not too bad. They they used a lot of split screen uh, to put him like, I think you, you can kind of see the scene somewhere, but it's also somewhat masked because they they were using like a real house cat or a real spider on like either a projection screen or doing some kind of split screen thing. So it looks, uh, it looks better than if they were trying to get him with like, here's a puppet spider coming at him or anything like that. Now, I have an important question for you. Were you a fan of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. I fucking loved that movie. I watched it so much as a kid, and the effects were so cool, like the giant yeah. cereal and the giant yep. ants. And I think, like, at Disney, they had, like, yes. pieces of it you could, like, crawl on. I, I played on those. I remember, like, uh, running through that, like, playground that had the ant and the, the scorpion. I believe. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. Um, but yeah, no, we had Honey, I Shrunk the Kids on videotape, and I watched it until like the tape died. It's like a useless tape at this point if you were to put it in. And I think the the intro cartoon was a, a Roger Rabbit on the. Video it was. Test. You're right. <laughs> oh my god, I was. That's so weird that you brought that up because I recently thought of that cartoon and I couldn't remember what movie it was attached to because I knew it played like before a disney movie like because disney had that period where they tried to bring back having a short cartoon in front of like all their features yeah uh, and i was like there was that roger rabbit one when i was a kid like in the 80s like what was that <laughs> what movie was it attached to that's it it's so weird to think about how vhs is back in the day like only select few could you like go out and buy like yeah. i mean you could buy any of them but so many of them were like a hundred dollars 
Yes. Like to think about like these video stores, like the amount of money they had to spend to get movies in. Whereas now anything comes out, as soon as it comes out, you can buy it for like 20 bucks on Blu-ray. Like everything's Mm -hmm. accessible except for very old stuff that maybe never was very released on home video. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But like back in the day, I remember there were certain movies where I'm like, oh man, if I really want that, I'm going to have to pay a hundred dollars for it, which is crazy. Like as much as my Game Boy was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That is wild to think about. And certain studios, like something like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids would have been expensive because it was done by Disney, but depending on the studio, like, you know, and that's where the boom of the shot on video started was because they could release those for real cheap. And people would just grab them because they saw like a cool looking box and it was cheap. So, and I also vividly remember renting Ghost from the video store, and the video cassette was white and it was so cool. Oh, that, yep, yep, yep. And Nickelodeon, if it was like a Nickelodeon production, they had orange tapes. Oh, cool. So you would see that and be like, awesome. Like, you knew exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was just fun. So creative. I love that shit. Yeah. I really wish and now it's kind of they're kind of harder to find or they're expensive because they're a little more vintage, but I would love to make some like horror wall art that's like a stack of VHSs or like a shelf, but that it's made out of like VHS boxes of like horror movies, but like they're combined and like made into like a shelf you could put on the wall with but I wouldn't want them to be like just like random horror movies like The Dentist. Like I would want it to be like A Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Halloween. Yep. Like movies that I love and have watched. Yes. I mean, I've seen The Dentist, but it's not a movie I would be like, I want that represented in my household. <laughs> yeah, no, you you'd want, you'd want your most favorites up there. Totally. Yeah. So maybe someday I'll do Absolutely. That, figure it out. What did you watch anything else besides the incredible yes. shrinking Honey, I Blew Up the Kid? Yes, last night, in fact, uh, I checked out on Netflix Army of Thieves, uh, which was the prequel to Army of the Dead. Uh, Zack Snyder's, you know, zombie movie he did for Netflix. Like a, uh, recently? Just recently, yeah. They, he so had this apparent- is even more recently? This is even more recently. This came out in like a month ago. I think oh, it came out around okay. Halloween. Uh, it was a, it's a, they, so they took, there's a character in Army of the Dead that's this uh, uh, German character german actor who's now like blowing he's on all the talk shows now and stuff over here in america he's blowing up here because of his role in army of the dead but he was like the comic relief and he's so cute and charming uh but he's their safe cracker because part of army of the dead is they're breaking into a las vegas safe while the zombie apocalypse is going on Um, okay and i guess that character they really banked on him being a hit and people liking him so they did a movie that's his origin story like before how he got to where he was at in army of the dead uh, and it was pretty good for a like uh prequel to, you know so quickly for another so thing, is so. it a zombie movie as well or like totally not like leading up to the zombie yeah movie? it's it's a zombie movie that's not about zombies is what i said and i'm like i kind of like that it's like a movie that's actively like there's zombies we're not about that though because what they do is throughout the the army of thieves there's news broadcasts they see of like in america zombies are running crazy like the world's going to shit like starting to panic uh, but the zombies are this little background flavor throughout, and it focuses on him with this crew of like bank robbers that are hitting these big, intricate safes with a lot of money in them while the world's distracted by zombies happening. You know, I like that. It just like sparked some sort of idea in my head. Like, if you were to actually remake a Nightmare on Elm Street again, like if you did it 
from the parents' point of view, but like Nancy and Glenn and Tina, like they're all there. And yeah. just every once in a while, you get those little crossover scenes or little things where you know from the original what's happening with the teens, but, but you're actually don't. getting it from the parents. <laughs> and things are happening to the parents that we didn't know about in the original. And it's like done very creatively and intelligently from someone who loves the original so that you're not so like you're getting the parent side of things and it's equally as scary, but you're it's honoring the original while also telling a totally different story. Yeah. And I want yeah. that. It was, Yeah. And like you're saying, it was kind of clever. I thought that was like, wow, zombies as just flavor, not as an actual like part of the plot. It's like, you see the news stories, the main character keeps having like dreams where he's attacked by zombies and then like, Oh, wakes up, you know? So it's like, that's what they do with the zombies in this one. I was like, that's kind of fun. It also, I don't know why it reminds me there's a, a play of the birds but I think it's based on more like the original. I think The Birds was like a story or a book. It may have been. It's one of the two. And the entire play takes place in the house at the end. And it's more a psychological drama about the people. Mm -hmm. But it's like while the bird attack is like happening. But it's not like a horror play. I mean, I think that there may be elements of that. I've not seen it or read it. I just kind of know what it's about. But I'm like, that's also interesting to like, if you're going to do a play version of something, take an element from the story you know and sort of expound on it. Expound? Expand? Are those the same? Yes. Okay. Ex expound. <laughs> what is it? Expound is to go into more detail, I believe. Is and expand is just to broaden. That, yeah, like, I think so. like the same thing. Yeah, uh, expound and expand. You can use them together. That makes sense. X and X. Yeah. X and X, the story. Yeah, that's right. Well, cool. And you were a fan of Army of the Dead. Yeah. Okay. I know I I upset some of my some of our listeners who are my personal friends that I see in real life. We're like, what are you talking about? That movie sucked. But I, I thought it was fun. I okay. like zombies. You don't have to. I'm pretty... I, I feel like I give a pass to even some, some of the shittier zombie movies just because I enjoy like when they do weird shit, which Army of the Dead did some weird shit with their zombies. So. so a friend of mine who I think maybe occasionally listens to the podcast, but he's very talented. His name's Russell Boyle. He's an actor, but he's mm. predominantly an artist. I've seen and him on our socials. Yes, he's definitely active on the socials. And he is brilliant he really had like if you should follow him on insta because his stuff is incredible and his insta handle is all one word russell boyle art and he does some really cool horror stuff especially in october like i think he has like a self-portrait of him like holding like the nightmare on elm street phone with like the tongue coming out of it like the freddy tongue <laughs> which is like so great mm -hmm. and um he did, my husband, I had him, I, like, commissioned him to do, like, some Mommy Dearest artwork so I could make, like, a fan, like, a giant fan that says, I am not one of your fans, which is one of the lines from Mommy Dearest. But, what, mm -hmm. so, like, anyway, he's brilliant. But he commented on one of our Train to Busan posts and said, like, this is my favorite zombie movie of all time. And yeah. it may very well be mine. So I asked if it was one of yours. And you said, well, it's in the top ten. <laughs> you can't yeah. be any more specific than that. Yeah, well, because I thought about it and I was like, I was almost like easily top five, but I'm like, actually, no, I don't think it is because I already have an idea of what my top five zombie movies are. Well, what uh, is your number one? My number one, it flip flops between the original Night of the Living Dead or the original Dawn of the Dead. Okay. I think I think both of those are so good that it's hard. Actually, and then you know what? Scratch that. It's it's the original Romero trilogy, 
Night, Day, and Dawn are like the. That's to cheating. Me, or those that's are the one, original. two, and three. That's one, two, and three, oh, okay. but they they flip depending oh, okay. on how much I feel. Yep. Uh, and then to round out the top five, I gotta say, I think Shaun of the Dead still holds a special place up there, and then probably Return of the Living Dead. Okay. And that's okay. probably my five, but Train to Busan's in that next chunk for sure, because that was okay. such a cool zombie movie. And I'm not quite sure what the rest of the top 10 would be, because that's where it would get a little uh, tricky trying to figure all those out. But yeah, yeah, easily up there. Well, we have a couple teragrams. Do you want to yes. kick us off? I'll do the first one. And it is titled First Time Listener, First Time Caller. Yes. Yeah, very cool. It goes, hello, I have two questions for you. What was your first introduction to the horror genre as a youth? What was the first movie to scare you? Love the conversation, signed Jenny. Jenny from the block. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for writing in. Yeah, thank you. That's very exciting. Uh, So, I mean... uh, I don't know if it's the drugs are just being old, but it's a little hard for me to remember completely. But I have a couple of <laughs> memories. So sure. I have a memory of being on a road trip to some swimming trip and my sister's friend Bethany telling me all about A Nightmare on Elm Street. I remember her distinctly telling me about the fingers that were knives and the stairs that were marshmallows, which in reality, I think they were oatmeal um, that I just saw on one of those little shows I watched, but I've always in my head thought that it was marshmallow. Mm. But I remember her distinctly in telling me about the girl named Nancy. And like, in my mind, I always imagined it as like a young girl, like a girl, like my age, like, five seven whatever and so when i watched it nancy seemed so old to me because she was like a teenager (laughs) Mm -hmm. so she seemed like an adult so i distinctly remember that and i distinctly and being so intrigued and wanting to watch it and then i distinctly also remember being at my friend trisha's house when i was very young she lived near my cousins in basin wyoming and i remember they were watching jaws And I remember just sort of like peering from behind the couch and being like frightened by it and them not letting us watch it, but us sort of like spying in to see what it was all about and just being scared. But I don't remember much. I just remember that that's what they were watching and that it was scary. Oh, wow. And I feel like the the first thing that truly scared the shit out of me was Terror in the Isles, which I mentioned before. I would watch it while I was homesick. And there was no remote controls at this point because it was the dawn of time. And I would be too scared to go up and turn off the VHS. And I would just let the <laughs> the video player play, play out until it yeah. stopped. Yeah. Oh, my. What are some of yours? So first scary movies I ever saw. And of course, I think I've talked about this before. My introduction was because of my mom into the original like classics, like the Universal and any of the old stuff. She grew up watching... And it's a real like chicken and the egg kind of like, which was the first one? I don't remember anymore, but like some candidates I can think of were probably the original King Kong. I know that was a very early watch of mine for like a something that was like a horror, you know, supposed to be a scary like monster movie. Probably there was the original King Kong or, you know, Godzilla, one of those. And I'm not sure which one I feel like. Godzilla versus Mothra or something like that probably was an early candidate for like one of those first movies I'd ever seen. No, scratch that. I do remember. I think the first like of the Japanese like giant monster movies, I have a distinct memory of my dad letting me watch Rodan. Oh. uh, Which is the giant pterodactyl, his like solo movie. Uh, And that was so scary to me because it's like 
the scenes of Ronan would fly over the city and like the shockwave of him flying by like destroys all the buildings. Uh, and I remember that scaring the crap out of me. So those are some pretty early ones. Uh, the Wolfman, the original Wolfman is in there. But um, first movie to scare me, like really utterly like terrify me. Uh, some prime candidates I can think of are The Wizard of Oz. Uh, the witch and the flying monkey scene, especially when they rip the scarecrow apart. That was so freaky. Yeah. Um, and the witches, the original, the witches, with Angelica Houston as the grand witch. That was horrifying. Utterly. I was so scared. Like I spent years. I couldn't even like look at the box of the movie like in the video store. Like that scared me so much. Um, and also kind of like you, I do remember seeing Nightmare on Elm Street as like a little guy on TV. Uh, and that scarred me for like a long time, uh, which made me think of a question I'd had for you before, like which of the like classic slasher genre, like the big slasher villains, like did any of them actually like truly scare you? And of course for me, it was Freddy Krueger, which is like that. That's like the only one I can think of. And those Nightmare on Elm Street movies were very terrifying to me. I think the only one that truly freaked me out was Leatherface. Oh, yeah, he's scary, too. Because it felt so real, like, the, the way it was filmed, and it was so gritty, and he just seemed so real, whereas all the other ones, they were a little slick. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, that one just was truly terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Leatherface was the scariest, for sure. Yeah, he's probably my number two. It's probably Freddy and him <laughs> for the scariest ones. But, uh yeah. And also, as a kid, there was the Goosebumps books. I got into those in school, uh, and that was definitely a huge, like, that was a gateway into, like, literary horror was I got into uh, the Goosebumps books, and then that gave way to eventually, like, Stephen King as I got a little older and, uh, you know, Edgar Allan Poe and H.P. Lovecraft stuff as I grew up. Yeah, I was like a Christopher Pike, R.L. Stein sort of boy. I'm really surprised there haven't been more films made from Christopher Pike books because he was yeah. huge. He was prolific. I read a couple of those, too. Like, bigger than R.L. Stein. And now that Fear Street's come out, I imagine more are in the works. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see what happens there. Gotta be. Gotta be. Yeah. But thanks again, Jenny, for writing in. Yeah, Jenny. Um, and yeah, I mean, we have talked about some of those things, but I mean, if you're just sort of sort of joining in in the podcast i mean they're probably like our first or second episode so yeah you may have to work your way back if you're enjoying yourself if not you know don't waste your time i was gonna say though <laughs> you know first time listener hopefully soon to be long time listener down yes, the road indeed and that would be great write us write us write us write us and tell us what yours are because we also love to know that yeah we want to hear what other people our listeners have to say so please yes. write in so I have a telegram from friend of the podcast, Gretchen, who is a dear, dear friend of mine. And somehow this got lost in the shuffle. She's like, didn't you get my email? And I, it was in there, but it was unread and from a long time ago. So oh, my no. sincere apologies to Gretchen. And it, the subject is clowns. And Gretchen writes, as a non-fan of horror movies per se, I don't quite understand why everyone hates clowns. As a child of the 70s, my only beef with them was their frightening use as wall art, mostly as painted by Emmett Kelly. No relation to friend of the podcast, Vince, I think. Well, BT-dubs, Vince definitely does not listen to this podcast, so he is not a friend of the podcast. <laughs> Gretchen continues. 
After your conversation last episode on the subject of clowns, I was wondering if you knew the origin of their turn from delightful, happy joy makers to nightmare spawners. Much love from your biggest fan who doesn't like horror movies, Gretchen. And Gretchen, thank you. Yeah. I'm so sorry that it was just, we just were holding off until now for you to come in at the right time. Sure. I think, and I know exactly the painting she's talking about, because I'm pretty sure like my grandparents had some of those, I think, in their house growing up uh, of the, you know, the sad hobo clowns and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And they, or, and they definitely had some of the figurines, like the glass figurines yes. of like hobo yes. clowns. I remember my gra- my one grandma had some of those and it's like those were definitely of an era, uh, depression era, uh, like artwork. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I don't know. I feel like clowns, when you go back to medieval times, because it goes back to like court jesters and stuff, there was a, they weren't just funny all the time. Like there was sad clowns and happy clowns and like all kinds of clowns. And it kind of just evolved into the circus thing over time where they're all just weird goofballs. Um, I think from what I know, the modern era of like the scary clown most people will say they've always had like a sinister vibe, right? Cause it's somebody covering their face. Like anyone masking their true identity is always going to carry something. There's gotta mm-hmm. be something nefarious there. Uh, but from what I know, it like really hit a, str- like hit its peak in the eighties. I want to say maybe late seventies, but definitely during the eighties was the scary clown hysteria. Cause I think you had the arrest of John Wayne Gacy, the serial totally. killer who yep. if, people found out used to work as a, like a creepy party clown uh, in his yes. personal life. And I think that made people like, whoa, clowns equals killers, you know, and kind of married the idea. Um, and then Stephen King's It came out. Yeah. Like I, I read a lot that like actually Stephen King like helped spark this new wave by writing that book and using Pennywise the clown as the guise of the, and that came from his own childhood fear, apparently of like Bozo or something like that, that he thought that that character was pretty scary. So he decided to make a scary clown and that kind of helped start this whole modern wave of scary clowns. And you've read it, right? Yeah. A couple of times. And Pennywise isn't like the predominant figure of it. Is that correct? Like as much as like the movies have made him out to be. Yeah, no, he just appears sometimes as the clown, but he like takes on a million forms throughout the novel. But the book's also the size of a phone book, so it gave him a lot of time to like Pennywise is just the most memorable, I think, form. So the movies latched onto that. Yeah. But it's just that's always struck me as interesting that like he is the face of it because of the movies, but not necessarily the books like the I remember that original art with like the clawed hand and I guess that's yeah. how he originally appears yeah his first appearance clown. that's how he like disarms the children is to appear as a clown and draw them in and then he'll take on more monstrous forms or whatever yeah so but yeah Gretchen thank you so much and you know by the time Gretchen listens to this I will have spent Thanksgiving with her and her family oh, which wonderful. we do spend some some times with them some holiday feasts which Fantastic. is always great. And I'm speaking of Thanksgiving since this will be coming out the day after. Super thankful for Gretchen. And even though she's not a fan of horror movies, um, she listens to this because she is just a great friend. And she did text me this week and said that she watched two scary movies recently. She watched I Know What You Did Last Summer and The Thing, and she did not find them scary. <laughs> oh, okay. And she said The Thing was more sus- suspenseful than scary and gross monster alien things. Oh, I hope she still liked the thing because it's yeah, she a very good say, movie. But it's like, a, yeah, it is very I, good. 
And I know what you did last summer. I still have a soft spot for it's a very cheesy and like it's a teen slasher movie. But like I it, it's one that I remember from my teen years, like being into. So I have a bit of nostalgia of like 100 oh, percent. That's a fun movie. So. But yeah, if you just watched it now, now yeah, you'd be like, ever, this is no kind of reference. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it's fine. I just I, I like some scenes, but as a whole, I do not enjoy watching it. Just all that and Hage stuff is so annoying and the boat at the end. I hate that scene, but yep. the Helen Shivers chasing is just iconic. Yep. Fantastic. Yep. I just wanted to also say, since we're together now before Thanksgiving, how grateful I am for you <gasps> and oh. this podcast and just our time together. It's, Ditto. It's just, it's been a great time and I'm super grateful. Who would think we're doing this over a year later? I know. Still going. I hope next year we're and I, talking I've, about how it's been over two years. You've expanded my mind in regards to horror, like which has always been a strong, you know, love of mine. But now my mind is definitely larger and I've overcome some boundaries and some things that I thought I'm never going to like that. And I did love it. You've done the same for me, too. And then realized some things I didn't like as well. But. Yeah. <laughs> you. That's what it's all about. You've gotten me to see stuff that I would see the title and never would have sought out on my own. Cause I'd just be like, for whatever reason, like that, ah, that's not for me or like, I I'd rather just rewatch some stupid shit I've already seen before. Uh, and you know, I've rethought some stuff that I thought I liked from years ago <laughs> in conversation and have rewatched it with modern eyes. And I'm like, I don't like this anymore. Yeah. So and that's, you know, that's what it's all about. It's all about that discovery and critique and it's fun. Yep. So with that being said, Let's yes. get into our shares and you share with me. And I know we mentioned the top, but Jeremy and I assign a movie to the other person that they haven't seen. We watch them. We come back and we share what we thought of them. Yes. And uh, it's your turn. With that in mind, I was racking my brain for something to even relate to Thanksgiving. Um, and I had like a couple choices I was going to go with, but actually... Right now, I'm just going to pull the trigger on it. This was a movie like I even went to my brother and he gave me an idea. He's like, you should do this movie. Uh, and I'm going to assume you haven't seen it. Maybe you know of it. But just to get some Thanksgiving content on there, I'm giving you the flick Thanks Killing. Oh, I didn't think it was a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't, it, isn't it the one that they do a fake trailer for in Grindhouse? No, that's a different one. That's just called Thanksgiving. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. So there is one called Thanks Killing. Then I've definitely not seen it. Or heard of it. Is it a trauma movie? It feels it, it it's in the vein of one, but it's not officially. I don't know this, but I'm gonna say it's a killer turkey or a killer pilgrim. <laughs> mm -hmm. Or a killy killer turkey pilgrim. And um it's gonna take place on Thanksgiving. I feel like it's gonna be silly. I feel like there's gonna be a death by a turkey baster, not like don't breathe, but like um someone's gonna get killed with a turkey baster and like a like a thing that you saw the meat with, whatever those are called, an electric saw. Sure. So and I think there's gonna be bloody mashed potatoes at some point mm -hmm. and a family in peril. And that's what I'm going with. There you go. Yeah. Um I'm doing this to myself too, because I watched this many years ago. Sometimes I see it float around as people like with a guilty pleasure, or, like a movie so bad they love it. Because I, my first thought after watching this years ago was that was fucking stupid. So <laughs> we'll see how I feel this time. But uh, yeah, let's do it. 
That's interesting. And I feel like a friend of the podcast, Gretchen, was asking me about this movie, but I think I thought she was talking about that Eli Roth trailer, right? Yes, it's an Eli Roth trailer that he kept saying he was going to make an actual movie, and I'm not sure he ever did. Yeah, and so I I feel like, like maybe that's, yeah, so... All right. Well, cool. Well, that's fun. Mm-hmm. And I am going to give you Christy. Christy. Sounds familiar, but I, I have no fucking idea what this movie is. It's about a woman named Christy. Oh, you think? Uh, and I'm going to go out on a limb since we're doing a Thanksgiving episode. It's set on Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, and she's trapped with her family somewhere. And maybe she's the, I'm going to go with, it's one of those movies where like the titular character is like the problem. So Christy kills her family on Thanksgiving because they piss her off and hilarity ensues. Yes, I love hilarity ensuing. Uh, So that's what I'm going with. All right. Well, let's watch them and we will talk about them. All right. Bye, guys. Don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. And we're back. Yes, we are. And Jeremy, I have to say something. Yes, please say it. So in the first part of the episode, I talked about all these things I'm thankful for. But you know what I didn't say I'm thankful for? What? Our listeners. (gasps) (laughs) Oh, Yes, yes. We are thankful for the listeners. Jeremy, while I love you in this podcast, we would be nothing without them. That's right. It's part of, I mean, we're partially doing this to amuse ourselves. Really. <laughs> I mean, yes, to, to enjoy ourselves. But like if we can make some connections and spark some conversations and cause some smiles or some people to say, I'm not alone, then that's all icing on the bloody especially cake. especially when we're getting new listeners like in the first half you know our writer jenny who yes uh has just discovered us and you are uh a new listener so fantastic so i want everyone to know you are seen you are appreciated we are thankful for you and i'm gonna tack on to that that i talked about a house on the bayou in the first part of the episode and we do have five promo codes that you can like watch it for free through like Redbox, which i apparently you can do that online now oh cool so if anyone out there is listening and interested and would like to check it out for free hit us up i would say either way instagram or scaring and sharing at gmail.com and i will send you that promo code i'm also going to do a little thing on our instagram so if you get to us and i don't have any left i will apologize and um but yeah hit us up if you want to check it out that's it first come first serve first yeah let's do this all right well let's do this first movie and first of all i want to say i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) and that movie is thanks killing uh, and the tagline is, of course, gobble, gobble, motherfucker. Uh, yep. <laughs> because what else? Uh, and the description on Letterboxd is a homicidal turkey axes off college kids during Thanksgiving break. That is correct. That's it. That's and you know, I mean, you say sorry, but I, I had a fine time watching it. Oh, did you? <laughs> I would say my biggest issue with it is its repeated use of the F and the R word, which is how I'm going to refer to them. Like, I think 
the F word is used three times, maybe? Yeah. And then the R word is used at least once, but I think a couple times. And um, I'm not a fan of those words being used. No. And I have, contextually, it makes sense when I looked up the making of this movie. Okay. Uh, Because this is, you know, it came out in the early 2007 was probably when it was shot. It didn't come out for a while. And it was made by college students while they were in college. So some college bros made this movie. So I feel like it just speaks to a certain time and type of humor yeah and that, i mean those words are never great and have never been fantastic when used in a derogatory sort of sense but it was a different time in 2007 just in regards to people being less woke and whatever so and i feel like there's a certain college bro time and place that that was happening yeah, masculinity often. thing going on where yes now it makes sense yeah but I actually thought it was fun. It's oh. super silly. I mean, the acting is horrible, obviously. But like, and that's like watching it. I'm like, I mean, they they knew what they were doing was ridiculous. They, it's almost more fun when it's like the room where I mean, there's various stories on how it was made or whatever. But I truly feel he thought he was making this great movie and that he had these amazing people in it, which mm-hmm. makes it more fun when it's as bad as it is. And here, I feel like. They weren't trying to be good actors, or maybe they just were bad actors, but like that, they knew that. And the script is obviously knows it's not good and it's obviously trying to be bad. Mm-hmm. And the effects and things. But I, I still like, I thought it was fun. And I mean, it's, I think what really helps it is it's an hour and six minutes. Like, if yeah. it were an hour and a half, I'd be like, kill me now. Yes. This is a movie, though, <laughs> at the same time, man. When I finished it, I was just like, yeah, it's just a bad movie. <laughs> like, they, you know, it wants to be an episode of South Park. Like, I think that's what they were shooting for, but it just doesn't quite hit it. Like, you know, it's going to, it's being offensive for the sake of being offensive, but it's kind of missing that other layer of like satire or whatever, whatever you want to call it that South Park has in there. So it's not quite. It's not like really making any point about anything. It's just kind of offensive and crazy. I feel like <laughs> it was sort of trying to with like the history of the turkey and like saying yeah, like maybe a little bit. It's yeah. just like for white people or whatever. But I like the turkey was just a turkey that had been pos- like, um, what's it called? Necromantic or whatever. Yeah. Necromanticized. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. But I feel like it should have been like the spirit of a Native American india like as someone from the first thanksgiving like i feel like that would have made it all the better because it was just a turkey as yeah. opposed to something but like its point was i feel gave it that extra tiny little bit of layer a tiny veneer of a layer. yeah <laughs> yeah instead the turkey is just they're trying to make him chucky quite obviously um yes totally. with him running around like nice tits bitch and stuff like that like it's <laughs> clearly supposed to be just flat wholesale they're ripping off chucky with the turkey and i feel like it starts off and it's like oh this is like a, a trauma movie like you would have no doubt that it was with mm-hmm. the, the, like that woman with her boobs out and everything but then it doesn't ever go there again like even like the no. quote-unquote like slut of the movie like she never we never see her naked do we no 
Nope. Like, so I'm like, I wish there would have been more nudity just for that, that factor. It starts off that way. And I wish it would have gone a little further with that element. So here's my theory in the beginning, the topless pilgrim woman that's running around is yes. a, she's a porn star. Yes, um, I saw that. And the, uh, I looked up the budget for this movie and it was made for $3,500 altogether. And I'm like, I bet at wow. least a thousand of that was her fee. Oh my God. I bet to get her in the movie and do that scene. I bet a hundred percent, like a, the biggest chunk of that was paying her. <laughs> so totally. And they, they, they um, said poon. I know we had the conversation of poo tang versus poon tang and they said, poon. I, okay. Backtrack a sidebar <laughs> a sidebar. I wanted to discuss the, I looked up the origin of that word. Cause we were wondering where it comes from. Yes. Uh, and I went to good old Wiktionary, which uh, <laughs> helped me out. And so apparently poon tang with an N and that's the original word. Poo tang with no N is still an acceptable synonym. It's just a deviation of that word. Uh, but they think it comes from either poutain, which is apparently a French word for whore, uh, or it comes from Jamaican Creole, uh, the word punani, which of course is slang for the female genitalia. So it's one or the other or a combo of the two. I Yeah, punani seems to make the most sense. Poon. Yep. Yeah, Poontang. So I there you go. It. Sidebar. That's what that comes from. But I was going to say, a lot of the actors in this movie, I feel like part of what makes it like rough in spots is the actors uh, are bad. Like in a way that's like, I'm not sure they're like, you know, they're trying to make a bad movie on purpose, but also the actors are just bad. So it like works through a lot of that, except for I loved the... um I loved that hillbilly with the dog in the woods. Like whatever oh, that yeah. guy was doing with his flash it. Where's my dog flash it? Just so <laughs> it was incredible. I was cracking up every time he shows up because whatever he decided to do with that performance was just it worked wonderful. Now you haven't seen any of the other films? No, I didn't. Well, okay. So here's the thing. There's actually only one other. Oh. Because because the plot of Thanksgiving three. Thanks killing. Or sorry, yes. Thanks killing three is that they made a Thanks Killing two, but it was so terrible, people tried to suppress its existence from the world. So oh. that's why you've never heard of Thanks Killing Two. Uh, and in Thanks Killing Three is about Turkey trying, because that's the name of him, Turkey, Turkey trying to like get revenge for them trying to wipe out his his other movie. Weird. Okay. So really meta and bizarre. Well, I might check it out, but I think it is an hour and a half. And that, um, yes. and from what I remember, I tried to watch it like years ago, and it's not nearly as this is, you know, this is just watchable. That is not as watchable as this is. So that should say something about <laughs> Thanks Killing Three. And then there's a musical. Yeah, I guess they made an off, like, was it off Broadway or off off? Oh, I'm Broadway. sure it was off off. I think it was double or triple off Broadway, like musical. <laughs> Yeah, and I I didn't get a chance to listen to it, but I think most of the they made a recording, like a mm -hmm. cast recording, and I think a lot of it's available to listen to on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was fun. And the thing, there were two things I really liked about this movie. And the first one is that score, the score overall, but that opening like credits theme is so oh, yeah. good. I think that, it's so that, good. That synthesizer like, and then like the little gobble that like comes in from oh, time no, yeah, to time. That that's it. That's what you're talking about. It has like a rap beat and then just like, 
are we in the background? Yes, <laughs> I like, love it. I said, what even is this as I watched it? Oh so. my God, I loved that. I thought it was yeah. so, I was like, this also is probably a good portion of the budget is whoever did the music. <laughs> yes, that too. I did love that. And then I also really liked the scene where the turkey wore the face. The yeah, they were just, face. yeah, and they're just like, hey, dad. I thought it was so funny. It cracked me the fuck up. And I liked the uh, the sheriff dad. Like, that was just a funny character. Yeah, the whole shitting in the coffee thing was very funny, too. Oh, God, I saw a review on Letterboxd that said, uh, shitting in my husband's coffee to tell him I want a divorce is a power move that I'll probably <laughs> never be able to reach or something like that. And I was like, that's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, but this movie just was full of one-liners. You already said a couple of them. Then there was like, nice tits, bitch. And Thanksgiving, not titsgiving. Yep. And you just got stuffed. Yeah. Oh, God. And when the turkey just like makes a salad, because that's what he's hungry for. Like, that was such a... And it, in my life, as I was watching the movie, uh, I literally had made like a Caesar salad kit, like while I was watching that scene. And I like tripped me out. The you made there. the kit like you got the lettuce you got yeah. the ingredients and then you um you packaged them together to give to yes. somebody yeah, or did I you get a kit no i opened the kit and the... then I, I i made the caesar salad <laughs> but i was doing it literally as i was watching the movie and the turkey was making a salad so i was like what is happening right now it was like one of those weird i tripped out for a minute you're like whoa we are connected thanks I like, killing i am just like turkey <laughs> so i was mostly right in my assumptions however there was the meat saw but there were no bloody mashed potatoes and there was no death by turkey baster i bet that comes in part three yeah i hope but there was that little saw yes but man you know i was like i was ready to go hard on this movie really hard because i was like this is just uh, i you know i don't know if i'll ever revisit it like it's kind of a so bad it's good sometimes it verges on so bad it's just bad but talking to you about it has kind of lifted my spirits a little <laughs> bit so i think i'm gonna go a little easier on it rating wise but out of uh out of five necromanced turkeys spewing one-liners how many do you give it i'm gonna give it two. Oh wow okay i'm giving it a two as well i upgraded my I upgraded my rating from, I was like, I, I think I should do like one, one and a half, but I'll give it a two. Well, our double deuces. <laughs> our double deuces. Still don't it's, save it. Nope. Still gives it a. Throw it on the slash. That's right. That's right. It's, it's, it's silly fun, but not good by any means. It does not transcend itself. No. To being so, a scare of approval. No, not worthy of full-on recommendations. So this is for this is for the hardcore only. Like Ghoulies one. This is for the <laughs> hardcore only. Yep, it sure and that motherfucker is. All right, so now let's move on to Christy. And the tagline is run for your life. When a college girl who is alone on campus over the Thanksgiving break is targeted by a group of outcasts, she must conquer her deepest fears to outwit them and fight back. Group of outcasts? It's a group of, like, satanic ritual killers. Yeah, I mean, that's that's being very presumptuous that they're outcasts. I mean, yeah. if they are, it's by their own choice. Yeah, ob obviously. You know, this, this was an interesting watch. Like, I really wanted to, like, love this movie at times but at other times i felt like it just you know there was something missing 
first off, whoever the cinematographer was, like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I couldn't see half of this movie. Uh, it's just so many dark rooms with no lighting, which is like good and all for mood. But like, I want to see the action. I can't tell what just happened. Like, there was a couple times where I rewound to be like, wait, who did what? Because uh, you just see like movement and a body drop. And I'm like, what happened? It's too dark to see. Um, did you so watch there- it during the daytime? Yes. Well, so there that you go. Doesn't, that doesn't help either. I'm sure if I was in a pitch black room, like by myself at night, it would look better. Because but... that's how I watch it. And I don't remember ever feeling that. Oh, it, yeah. So I well, wonder if it had something to do with the daytime. I guess the lighting is just like the movie is in such a way. Um, could be the transfer, too, because I watched it on um, uh, on Amazon through IMDb TV. Had oh, you there. should have watched it on my super secret site because. Yeah, I wonder yeah, if that, that might have been it. Mm-hmm. Part of it, too, is whatever the resolution of the transfer they used. A second thing too about this was why don't they use the college campus more as like a horror movie setting? Like, like in the movie or in a general sense? In general. Like, like oh, okay. it feels like for slasher movies, that's a perfect setting. Like this movie, I felt like cool setting, cool idea. There's not many college campus set stuff and you can do so much on a college camp college campus because they're like little cities under themselves. So they got all kinds of shit you could run to and hide in and have cool set pieces in. So uh, missed opportunity, Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, and I would say I could rattle off a good five. Not yeah. that I've seen all of them, but I know there's a few, but that's about it. There's not many. Okay. So the guy that she goes and he's like, you're going to talk slow because I'm really stoned. Like the like caretaker or whatever. Had we met yeah. him before? No, I don't think so. Because oh, okay. I was really I confused when he showed up. When she's like, Scott, Scott. I'm like, wait, Scott. No, it wasn't Scott. Something I don't know. Like that. Whatever the fuck character he was, whatever his name was. I was like, who is this? I mean, I thought he was, that like literally made me LOL. Uh, but I, I was like, did we meet him? And I, uh, was I, what? where was I? Yeah. Um, I really I love the lead gal, Haley Bennett. Yeah. From Swallow. She's the one she got lots of acclaim for for that performance, which is oh, okay. a brilliant performance. Okay. And I really like her. She's she's feisty. And it's it's fun because you go into it thinking, oh, her name is Christy. Although my issue with like the whole theory on Christy in the movie is why isn't it spelled like C H R I S T Y since their whole thing is like from like, Christ. Yes. And that's why they're like killing and whatever girl and calling her Christy. Like it's yeah. weird that it would be spelled with a K. And I also felt like that was kind of a lame motivation, honestly. Like it, it's kind of interesting to be like, and I was trying to think of like a way like writing, like for the writers, like how would you solve this problem? Like, I think it's kind of interesting to be like, they're killers that are motivated to kill people with the same name, but maybe not explain why, like maybe draw the dots that they're only killing you know, women named Christy uh, and just not over explain it. Not with the weird, like we're a satanic cult, I guess. And the name looks like the word Christ. Therefore we're like attacking religions, Christianity somehow, but it's like, that seems kind of overwrought and a little bit like it's a, uh, that motivation seems like a throwback to like the satanic panic of the eighties or like, you know, something to in the aftermath of the Manson family. Like it feels like not of this time and place, but of, older concerns so yeah i I kind of wish it would have been like a period piece like taking place in the 80s yeah it kind of has that vibe in like house of the devil when she's like going around the house listening to the walkman in regards to like when she's going around the campus which that is my 
favorite thing about this movie is that song Pumping Blood. I think mm-hmm. it's by the group is No No No, which is all like one word. But I I discovered that song while watching this movie the very first time. And I love that song and I have it on many a playlist. And as soon as it started, I was like, oh, right. This movie is how I discovered that song. Oh, cool. And I love that little sequence because you sort of get like, okay, here's all the places we're going to be. Yeah. <laughs> and it's... Of course, you know her boyfriend's going to come back into the picture, but usually when you meet all these little characters in the beginning, they all come back into play and usually always die. But I appreciated that her roommate did not, or her friend yeah. or whatever. Like that, that was that- like one of the few cliches they didn't do in this movie, because there was a lot of, even though this movie's only like 80-something minutes long, there are moments where I'm like, oh, this is taking forever, because it gets to a punchline that I already know what's coming. Because they do the whole, like, she's going to run to the security guy's car and he's already dead inside. She's going to, like, trick this guy who's stalking her towards the end and kill him from behind. Like, a lot of these these sequences should have been shorter because I already knew what the punchline was because they were cliched setups. So it's like, just get to it. And Keith from Six Feet Under, I was like, oh my God, how do I know that guy? Why do I want to call him Keith? And then he's David's lover. Which which character was that? The security guard, like that, works in her building, like her and her. Oh, uh, okay, okay. He's I didn't watch Six, Six Feet, Feet Under, Under, so. Oh my God, Jeremy, what the I didn't fuck? Watch it. I totally missed it. It's well, you didn't miss it because it still exists. In okay, the it world. still exists, but <laughs> throw it on the list of shows that have been recommended <laughs> to me that I've still never gotten around to. Which I loved Six Feet Under. It was so good. It Joe sort of fell off towards the end and stopped watching it because it. I feel like it went on a little longer than it probably should have, but at least the first season is absolutely brilliant. And there's some really, really brilliant episodes in there, but, but I always loved it. And the last episode is so, so good, but yeah, I thought it was, I think it's filmed well, although you have your gripes against it, but it was one of the notes I took was that it was filmed very well. Mm -hmm. The last line is remarkably bad though. It made me cringe. Mm -hmm. It made me hashtag cringe. And I think I watched it on Netflix when it first came out, but I remember the reason this popped up was there was some list of like Thanksgiving horror movies. And this was on there since it obviously takes place over like Thanksgiving break, which that whole setup is a good setup. I remember once being like the one of only two people in my dorm for like the night out of Christmas break. And it was so weird, like, because I was, like, best friends with the RA, and so we were going to drive back the next day, and he had to stay one night, so we stayed in the dorm, and it was just so weird and quiet, so there was just, like, something about it also that harkens back to, like, that night for me, and just, like, how desolate the campus seems. Yeah, I had a, I got a similar story, too, because uh, I can't remember which break it was, but I had one as well where, uh, I stayed like an extra night after everybody else had left. Uh, and like my roommates were gone, but like a buddy of mine had come out to visit me. So we stayed like one night and then went back home. And yeah, campus was just deserted. Like nowhere was open to eat. It was, you know, it was weird and eerie. Yeah. So I, I read it on this list and it mentions something about how hard it is to find because I don't think it's out on DVD. Like if you go to Amazon, you can't like find it, but you said you watch it on Amazon prime. So it must yeah, not be as hard to find. It's it's on IMDb TV. 
gross. So, so you can watch it with like, you know, ads throughout there. But I just cannot do any of those. That's why whenever someone talks about Tubi, I just uh, can't because that is an element of Tubi, right? Yeah. Yeah. You just can't yeah, do no. the ads anymore. No. No, no, no. I've been spoiled. And even like we have Comcast, even the stuff that we do watch that has commercials has the commercial skipper on it. Yeah. So like it just you hit one button and it will go until the commercial's done and stop. So it's not even you have to keep track. It keeps track for you. It knows where the commercials are. <laughs> Unlike yeah. I would say 75% of the things. Some some channels it doesn't have that. But like now it's particularly easy. And in all honesty, I mean, we have TV because my husband wants TV. I would probably stream everything and most yeah. everything I can find. Um, there's just a few things that I can't. I just cannot with the commercials. See, I'm like a cheapo. So like Hulu and uh, Peacock or whatever, the stuff that you can pay to not have commercials. I'm like, nope, that's extra money. I'd rather keep it. I'll just sit through the commercials. <laughs> I'm like, Hulu, take my $11.99, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'd rather pay half that and not have to deal with sure. them taking more money from me. So that makes sense. All right. Well, out of five tin foil masks, how many do you give this? Oh, fuck. Because this was another one where I'm like, this was like not an exceptional movie, but it was okay. And it had some like fun moments. It's just like, it was a movie that kept fluctuating between like having some coolness that I'm like, uh, if they develop this a little more and focus more this way, that could have been cool. And then it switches back to some cliched shit that I'm like, uh, this is the runtime's taking forever. So I'm like hop, uh, going back and forth, but you know what? It's Thanksgiving. It's the giving season. <laughs> Let's give it a three. I'm giving it a three too, which means scare of approval. Yeah, buddy. I almost gave it a split scream. I almost went two and a half, but you know. I I was pretty sure that's where you were gonna go. Let's but. let's go let's go in the giving spirit, you know. Because <laughs> truly, for like a cat and mouse sort of slasher movie, it's it's on the better side of things. Yeah, I it, feel. it definitely is. Um, one thing too that I thought was funny and then it made kind of made sense was i looked at the history of this movie and production and apparently after they finished it it kicked around some film festivals for a while but like nobody wanted to pick it up and distribute it until in the u.s it premiered as a lifetime movie oh weird yep this was originally on lifetime here in the u.s so i was like oh it does just sort of have the the vague feel of a lifetime movie. It's a little better than their normal output, but it's like I can see that falling in line on there as some programming. Interesting. And yep. I, I failed to mention it, but your um, assumptions of what it might be like, your guesses were fairly off. You said it was yeah, about a woman pretty. named Christy who's trapped That's with it. her family. She is the problem and she kills her family because they piss her off. <laughs> yep. I... <laughs> Which is great. Someone write it. Yeah, somebody write that movie. I'd like to see that too. But this one was okay. Um, one thing that I, I found myself thinking too was like this movie as it was like could have been cool if they somehow found a way to really like take some plot element and go in an unexpected direction. Uh, and I was thinking like kind of like Housebound where that's yeah. like it feels like it's a haunted house movie and then there's a twist that takes it in another direction. Like if this could somehow have had a twist in there. Uh, that did something else that could have been really interesting. Maybe, maybe if, cause her finally, you know, rising to the occasion and killing all of them comes like really late in the movie. Like maybe if 
there was if that happened earlier and then they became the prey and she was like stalking them for a bunch of the movie that could have yeah been, that could have been a fun twist because she knows the that. campus like she could have like home alone it uh you know and something like that instead of saving it all for like the last 10 minutes of the movie but yeah yeah i can i can dig that yeah that's it though it, it was you know it was an okay way to pass the time but yeah hopefully you guys are ready for you know couple of thanksgiving turkeys for you well christy's not that bad but but one movie has a literal turkey so true my goal is to get this out on thanksgiving so if some people are doing some driving or something you will have a chance to listen to it and if you aren't listening to it on thanksgiving um i hope you had a good one and like we said before, super hashtag thankful for you. Yes. Thankful for all you listeners. I'm thankful for my co-host. Me uh, too. He wants to do this show with me. So, yeah, you know, he, here we are. And I think another important thing to be thankful for is Paymon. So hail him. Yes. And as always, guys, gobble, gobble, motherfuckers. <laughs> and keep watching those scary movies and keep talking about them. Yeah, and keep writing into us and tell us what what did you watch for Thanksgiving? Because I w- I've been racking my brain. There's not many Thanksgiving horror movies. We gave you a couple here. There's a few more at least, but uh, it gets kind of shaky. So you know, give us some ideas for next year. That's right. Because scaring is sharing at gmail.com. <laughs> no. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.